Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Get hype, Scotty. We've got more prospects coming. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, September 8th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we do have prospects, but unfortunately, the bad news, Max Scherzer officially placed on the I.L., We'll try and look for replacements. No guarantees there. We will get to Josh Young and Alec Burleson getting called up in the next coming days. The New York Aces showed up and much more. But let's jump in. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious, Scotty. Where would you like to start? I'd like to start in a bad place oh. if we if we can, if you'll allow it. I will. That, that bad place is... Uh, Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan is the bad place. The Yankees messed him up here on Wednesday. Four earned runs in four innings. Gave up a home run. Uncharacteristically had four walks. So, I, I, you know, that, that obviously contributed to the bad line more than the home run did. But the home runs are a problem for Joe Ryan. I was, I was looking at this because he is an extreme fly ball pitcher among pitchers with at least 110 innings, Joe Ryan has the second highest fly ball rate. I believe first highest is Christian Javier. So, ton of fly balls that that would seem to make him vulnerable. That would presumably make him vulnerable to the home run, right? At the beginning of the season when he looked like a world beater, he wasn't. April and May, Joe Ryan uh, had allowed he he allowed just 0.6 home runs per 9 innings in April and May. Really good home run rate. Since April and May, he's allowed 1.9 home runs per nine innings. Really bad home run rate. And if you'll remember, Frank, the listener, April and May is when nobody was hitting much of anything, home run or otherwise. So as the environment improved, as the weather heated up, as the humidor stopped suppressing power production so much, Joe Ryan became vulnerable to it in a way that's explained by his fly ball rate. So I don't want to throw him in the trash. He still has good starts pretty often too. Two bad ones in a row here. The previous three were all good, but like when, when things go wrong for him, they, it tends, he tends to put up a crooked line like this and it's pretty frustrating I don't think you can rely on him down the stretch. I think you'll want to. I think you'll. I, I think you'll want to. I think you'll want to implement him cautiously. And if you don't use him at all, that's fine. I still think it's a bad idea to drop him because 
it could come back to bite you if your opponent picks him up. But yeah, my faith in Joe Ryan right now is not particularly high. I, I, I mean, look, he, he still has a good whip because it keeps the walk rate down. Still more than the strikeout per inning. But yeah, kind of dangerous. Yeah, he sure is, Scott. I mean, you read my mind when you were talking about the home runs going up from June on, basically, that coincides with the weather heating up. And really, we thought offense would go up uh, because of the humidors that were installed in all the ballparks. And they did. Offense did go up. And as a result, uh, Joe Ryan has not been great over his last 15 starts. There is a 10 earned run start in there. I mention that every time I bring this up. Uh, but during that time, he's got a 5.01 ERA. Over a strikeout per inning is good. But now 17 homers allowed, nearly two home runs per nine, Scott, which you mentioned. It's like 1.9. Yeah. It's it's really tough. So he's still 94% rostered. His next two starts are against the Royals and at the Guardians. Start against Pretty the Royals. Matchup. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I could... In a deeper league, I'm probably still rolling with Joe Ryan against mm-hmm. the Royals at the Guardians. All right, it's a little bit tougher, not the worst matchup, but uh, yeah, against the Royals, I think that's okay. Well, is that are, are both of those matchups in the same week? Is that a two-start week we're talking about next week? I think Joe Ryan was in line for two starts this week, but clearly that's not going to happen because this yeah. he started on a Wednesday. Yeah, he got pushed so. back because of the uh, doubleheader today. Okay. So yeah, that's probably a two-star week next week for him. Probably. In which, case, in which case I lean yes. I mean, it's not automatic, but two starts, one of them's against the Royals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Twins have seven games next week too, so it's going to be yeah. a two-star week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, we didn't bring this up when we talked about that, that uh, slugfest in Oakland yesterday where Kyle Wright got bombed, specifically gave up, what was it, three home runs? Two home runs. Oakland is one of, according to research that Eno Saris did, Eno Saris of The Athletic prior to this season, Oakland was one of the venues that was going to see the biggest increase due to the effect of the humidor, the biggest uh, home run increase during the summer months when it's most humid. And, And it's been especially hot in that area, like right now, that's going on right now. And, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's turning Oakland into kind of a launching pad, which is not good news for Cole Irvin. No. <laughs> <laughs> or, or really any ace pitcher. Or really, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to change the thinking of, of players who are traveling there, specifically this time of year, if they keep, and that'll be an ongoing thing, if they keep the current setup with the humidor if they keep using them the same way they're using them this year. Yeah. Uh, just imagine if the Oakland A's actually had good hitters and, <laughs> you know, maybe we would be more excited to pick them up and start hey, them. But Seth Brown, four home runs in three games, buddy. Hey buddy. We'll get to him in just a little bit. Oh my goodness gracious for me, Eduardo Escobar <laughs> kind of feels weird to talk about Eduardo Escobar in this sense, because he was really, really bad earlier on in the season, but you know, as recently as last year, the year before, like there have been fantasy relevant seasons from Eduardo Escobar. And since returning from injury, he has played 11 games. He's batting 394 during that stretch. This includes Wednesday where he went six for nine across a double header with a home run. Uh, 11 games since returning 394 batting average, four homers, putting the ball in the air a ton, 52% fly ball rate, a 14% barrel rate during that time. 47% rostered is Eduardo Escobar. He's second and third base eligible. Those are the two, I guess, outside of outfield, the two shallowest positions in fantasy baseball. And Escobar has seven home games next week. So I'm kind of interested in streaming him if you need one of those positions. Scott, what do you think about Eduardo Escobar? Yeah, I mean, he certainly looked better since coming back from this oblique injury. Of course, he was a fringe starter in 12-team leagues entering this season. So not far removed from being uh, something of a fantasy asset. So he had been especially bad against left uh, or against right-handers, I should say, this year from the left side of the plate. He's a switch hitter. And so Brett Beatty was called up to, at worst, platoon with Escobar at third base whenever Escobar got healthy again. Beatty being a full-time left-handed hitter. Obviously, Beatty's out for the year now. I had wondered if that would mean Mark Vientos, big power hitter who also plays third base, has been at AAA all year, put up great numbers, too many strikeouts, but 
tons of power. I'd wondered if Beatty's injury would precede a Mark Vientos promotion, but that might be hard to justify with, with Escobar playing as well as he is now. Doesn't help that Vientos is right-handed hitter, so if they wanted to continue sitting against es- sitting Escobar against right-handed pitchers, it wouldn't make as much sense to, to platoon him with a right-handed hitter. So that kind of gets in the way. I want to see Viento, so I guess I'm rooting against Escobar. <laughs> but it, it, you know, it, it looks like he's contributing now. And if you obviously people need a lot of help at third base, so that he might be of some use again. Yeah, Mark Viento's. By the way, I saw he was dealing with headaches the other day, and he was scratched from whatever game he was getting ready to play. Yeah. So people, people thought he was about to get called up, but yeah. it was a headache. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is Mark Viento's Eduardo Escobar. More of a high floor play than anything, but if you're looking at streaming hitters this time of year, again, seven games next week, 47% rostered, pretty widely available, and I'll compare him to a prospect getting Summer's Day. What's up? Okay. What's up, I was going to say Summer's Day. You're comparing him to oh. something. <laughs> uh, what else do we have here? Let's talk about Max Scherzer. He was placed on the aisle with left side fatigue. So we know he left his previous start, and he dealt with an oblique injury earlier on in the season, so... I guess the writing was on the wall here regardless, but people are looking for replacements, Scotty. And we did get this email from Steve-O. Who do I pick up to replace Max Scherzer? Trevor Rogers, Hunter Brown, David Peterson, who I assume will stick in the rotation now, or yep. Bailey Falter. And two of those names did pitch here on Wednesday. Trevor Rogers turned in a quality start at the Phillies. He went six innings, three runs, eight strikeouts to zero walks. Uh, he has just one walk in two starts since returning from the IL. And Bailey Falter was solid on the other side. He went five and a third, seven hits, two runs, zero walks, three strikeouts in that one. He's got a 2.72 ERA in four starts since returning from uh, returning to the Phillies rotation. So what do you think of those four names, Scotty? Trevor Rogers, Hunter Brown, David Peterson, Bailey Falter. Well... I wish I could tell you I have a great deal of confidence in one of them. I don't. It's not a great time to be trying to replace Max Scherzer. Trevor Rogers, I mean, he just, since coming off the IL, he's delivered his second and third quality starts of the season, which is more a statement about how poorly his season went before the IL stint than anything. The quality of contact against him since returning has been kind of, eh. And he only got two whiffs on the changeup in the second start when it, it looked like it was, it looked like maybe it was going to get back to being a big bat misser for him in the, in, in the first start. And I don't know. He just hasn't quite, he's, he's been good, but he hasn't been so good that like I'm confident he's fixed, you know? Still, by process of elimination, he's probably the top choice here. Hunter Brown, I like what he did in his debut, but how long is he going to stick in the rotation? David Peterson, how long is he going to stick in the rotation? And and even if he does keep this turn for a while, he hasn't been quite as impressive as he was before losing his spot to Jacob deGrom in early August, late July, something like that. Uh, A lot of walks and not featuring a slider as much. And then Falter, it's been fine. He had three quality starts. His first his first three turns since rejoining the rotation were quality starts. Came up a little shy in this fourth start here on Wednesday. But was the, the, the numbers were still decent. But again, how long is he going to stay in the rotation? Because... Zach Wheeler, I believe, I believe last report is he was throwing again. I think I'd I think I'd rank them in the order you listed them here, which is Rogers, Brown, Peterson, Falter. Close between Brown and Peterson. But like I, I I'm not I'm not picking up any of these four to put in my lineup if I can help it. You know, not not unless the lineup the, the matchups happen to be especially good. Mm-hmm. For Trevor Rogers, his next two matchups are against the Texas Rangers and at the Washington Nationals. So those aren't terrible. Bailey Falters' next start is against the Marlins. If Zach Wheeler does it. a row against the Marlins for Falter? Yeah. That's who he faced today. Yeah. Or Wednesday, I should say. 
And look, if Zach Wheeler is not back by next week, Falter, I believe, will be a two-star pitcher, but he gets the Marlins and he's at the Braves. So Jekyll and Hyde matchups there for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't love that. Uh. You'd rather him just have the one start almost. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the matchups for Rodgers are pretty good. Rangers and at the Nationals. Yeah. Rangers have become a pretty tough matchup. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but, you know, this is what we're dealing with at this time, right? So, like, we're trying to find replacements. There's just so many pitcher injuries. Shane McClanahan, Verlander, Tony Gonsolin, Wheeler, Scherzer. It's, you know, dog days of summer. But, geez, I mean... This is really rough right now. So we're trying. I, I want to add someone like Hunter Brown, Scott, but you know, for the reasons you mentioned, I, I just don't know that he's going to stick around in the rotation. Uh, our buddy Steve O in the rest of this email, he did add that Craig Kimbrell uses Let It Go as an homage to his daughter, which I guess we could have deduced that, but some confirmation. And also includes Jock Peterson used Dancing Queen as his walk up music for most of this season. He knows a lot about songs the players enter to. <laughs> yes, especially on the not, West not Coast. Even, <laughs> not even on the same team. That's right. So for anyone who listened all the way through the podcast yesterday, uh, when we were talking about bullpens, we were talking about uh, Craig Kimbrell walking out to let it go and all these other kind of crazy walkout songs recently. But there you go. In yeah. case you were wondering. Let's talk about a few other waiver wire pitchers. Again, still trying to find some replacements. Patrick Sandoval, 75% rostered. So... Only in shallow leagues he might be available. He was okay. I mean, I was pretty underwhelmed by this start, Scott. He was up against the Tigers. Five innings, one run, four strikeouts. 13 swinging strikes on 87 pitches. That's a really good ratio, but personally, I was just expecting more. I started him in a head-to-head playoff matchup, so really was depending on him. Um, He used a slider a ton in the start, 47%. That was only 27% usage entering this one. Um, You think that'd be a good thing? Yeah. So and and look, it wasn't a bad start, but I agree. For facing the tiger tigers, you had hoped for more. I, I, the most encouraging thing, well, the slider use is encouraging, but the other encouraging thing is four total walks in his last four starts. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if he can get the walks under control, then there are good times ahead for Patrick Sandoval. But as I said for that previous group, I, I do like Sandoval more than anybody in that previous group before, but it, he's still in the same category of, I'm probably only playing him if the matchups are right. Yep. Unless, if the matchups are right or I'm desperate. His next two matchups are at the Cleveland Guardians and at the Texas Rangers. And Sandoval will not have a two-start week because the Angels go with six-man rotation. So just mm-hmm. one start at Cleveland next week for him. Domingo Herman turned in a quality start up against the Minnesota Twins. Six innings, seven hits, three runs, six strikeouts in this one. He had 12 swinging strikes on 90 pitches. The ERA remains solid for Domingo Herman. The underlying numbers just don't really match up. He's not getting whiffs. Uh, the XFIP is 4.5, so not great for him. He's 60% rostered, and his next start is at the Red Sox. A few other names here. Uh, Zach Greinke. Returned with a quality start up against the Guardians. He went six innings, one run, two strikeouts. And he is 35% rostered. His next two starts are both against the Minnesota Twins. And then Ken Waldachuk was solid. That's the word I'll use. Against the Atlanta Braves. He went five and a third, three hits, three runs allowed, only two strikeouts. But he survived, which is, you know, half the battle. Uh, He is 22% rostered. He's at the Rangers and at the Astros, his next two starts. So yeah, I, I feel like solid is a little strong. I was going to say passable against yeah. the Braves. Yeah, like he, he kept he kept his head above water. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Um, yeah. But are you? I'd assume you're not excited to really add any of these three. What do you think? Domingo Herman, Zach Greinke, Ken Waldchuk. I mean, Herman continues to get it done, but in a way that it do, that doesn't inspire much confidence. I'm not really seeing what makes him good. So, yeah, this is, by and large, a pretty unattractive group right now. I do think there's upside for Waldachuk. Keep an eye on him, but he hasn't demonstrated enough yet to deserve a roster spot. Okay. And of all the names you mentioned, Scott, it's Sandoval and Trevor Rogers up at the top, right? Yes, those would be the top two. Okay. So, again, if you're looking for a show as a replacement. And then just one more name I wanted to mention in Deeper League, Scott. Cody Morris, who is a... Prospect for the Guardians. He put together a strong start, but it was a short start. He only went four innings, 
Uh, four shutout with two strikeouts. He had eight swinging strikes on 61 pitches. That's a 13% swinging strike rate. And he's only 8% rostered. I just don't know if he's going to go deep enough into his starts. Yeah, he's kind of still building up. He missed most of the season with injury. Good minor league track record for Cody Morris. Another guy more in the keep an eye on him territory. I do want to mention, because uh, he's only 60% rostered, and I know he didn't pitch recently. He pitched his last start was over the weekend. Nick Lodolo, I think, would be a more attractive Max Scherzer replacement than anyone we've mentioned. I'd put him ahead of Sandoval and Trevor Rogers, in, in part because of... I looked ahead at his full remaining schedule and all of the starts are, are favorable matchups. The toughest one is the Red Sox and then the other four, are especially favorable for Nick Lodolo. And, you know, he's, he's just been kind of been uh, rounding into form here recently. So he would be, he would be a good pickup. Whether you need, whether you need a Scherzer replacement or not. We did get this question from T-Bone on YouTube, and he asked who to replace Gonsolin, Lodolo, Lazardo, Hunter Brown. You just spoke about Lodolo, but I think I would take Lazardo over him, Scott. What do you think? Yeah, that's my knee-jerk reaction. Is Lazardo's the best choice there? I am curious about his remaining matchups. Uh, let's see. They're, they're probably going to be tougher. Uh, so he started... When did he start? He started Tuesday? Just yes, yes. Third day. Yeah, Tuesday. So he's got the Mets, followed by the Nationals, and then either the Cubs or the Nationals, and then the Brewers. So yeah, that's those are pretty good matchups for Lazardo. I, I agree. Lazardo over Lodolo. One more pitcher to ask about, and should you hold on to this pitcher? Michael Kopech made his return, but he struggled at the Mariners. He went three and two thirds, four runs allowed. Uh, four strikeouts in this one. He had seven swinging strikes on 74 pitches, lots of hard contact, nearly 93 mile per hour average exit velocity against. And the ERA is 3.78. The underlying numbers are much worse than that for Michael Kopech. He's still 80% rostered, Scott. Before I throw mm. this your way, his next two starts are at the A's and at the Tigers. <laughs> is it in Oakland? It, that's a launching pad right now. It is in Oakland. Ah. Eh, I mean, I could see holding on to him in a points league as a somebody could slot into a relief pitcher spot for that two-start week. But overall, I have not been impressed with Kopech this year. The metrics on his pitches have been bad to begin with. And in this first start back, the spin was down on his fastball. Not as much as I, I, I thought it was more. Now that I'm looking at it again, not not that much, but still. I just don't think he's been that good. Not as good as the ERA suggests, as you pointed out already. All right. So let's get into those prospects, Scotty. We've got more coming here. And Josh Young is apparently getting called up by the Rangers on Friday. That's spelled J-U-N-G for anyone trying to find him on the waiver wire. And so far in the minors this year, he's only played 31 games. He suffered a shoulder injury back in February, which required surgery. So he didn't return until August. But in those 31 games, he's hitting 266, nine homers, 866 OPS, 28% rostered, 24 years old, first round pick back in 2019. And the Rangers do have seven games next week, Scott. So what are your thoughts on Josh Young, the player? Is he a must add? And would you rather have him or Eduardo Escobar? Oh, Young, definitely. Yeah, he's pretty close to must add, especially when you consider third base is where he's eligible. You mentioned those numbers prior to his promotion this year. He got off to an incredible start and then fallen into a slump recently, dragging down those numbers. But Josh Young last year between double and triple A hit 326 with a 990 OPS. And the numbers were even better at triple A than double A. So he is, uh, he's been a highly productive player in the minor leagues, a disciplined hitter, a guy who projects to hit for average and power. He was going to be, all signs pointed him to being the Rangers opening day third baseman this year before he tore the labrum in his left shoulder in February. And it's a delayed arrival, but he's here now and I expect him to play close to every day. 
I'm kind of thinking people have prospect fatigue right now because I'm looking at the most viewed players on CBS. And like Josh, so I don't know even know how many names are in a column. I think it's like 50. Yeah, 50 names in a column. So he's not among the 50 most viewed players right now on the day that his promotion is being reported. Come on, fantasy baseball players. What are you doing? Well, I guess what well, that's why we're here, but <laughs> yeah. But usually, like usually we can choose who to talk about based on who's most viewed, you know? Usually like it's it's actually pretty easy. We just look at who everybody's looking at. Oh, I guess we need to talk about them. Mm. You don't even really need to listen to us. You can just go look at the most viewed players and that's <laughs> that's who you need to focus on. <laughs> don't say that. Come on, Scott. No, it's true. Uh. But no, they're um People aren't interested in looking at Josh Young's player page for whatever reason. You should be. He's a big deal. Well, with all of that being said, Scott, I, I probably should use the most viewed tab on CBS more often then because I don't ever use it, frankly. I, I use most added. <laughs> I use most rostered a lot. but That's how I go through and put in my waiver claims. Yeah. I, I look at... I look at most... I do look at most added first. It's not as up-to-date as most viewed, but obviously it's it's telling you different information than most viewed. Right. So I look at most added, scan through those names. Okay, don't need any of those guys. Look at most viewed, scan through those names. Okay. And then look at most rostered just to see if somebody dropped somebody notable that I need to pick up, you know? No, it's it's a good heads up because I basic I do that for most added and most rostered, but I, I don't do it for most viewed. So I, I probably should. And <laughs> it'll take you three times as long. Find some diamonds in the rough there, hopefully. Uh, all right. So very excited about Josh Young. Scott, are you excited enough to add him instead of Joey Manessis right now? Yeah. Okay. I'd add Josh Young over almost anybody who's available right now. I'd add him over Tristan Casas. If Gunnar Henderson's available in your league, I think I'd stick with Henderson over Young. Henderson's going to be eligible at third base soon enough, as well as second at shorts. Yeah. And he contributes some speed, possibly, that uh, that Young won't. But, but yeah, I'm excited about Young. He was, remember, I don't know, people who've been listening since we were doing draft shows in February, like Young was one of those players I was targeting in every draft. Yeah. Uh, because third base looks so bad, and it's like, okay, this this might be my lottery ticket there. A lot of people were too, Scott. Like he was set to be a popular sleeper slash breakout candidate before injuring his shoulder. That is Josh Young again, getting called up Friday. Twenty eight percent rostered, widely available. If you do need a third baseman or a corner infielder, Alec Burleson is the other name getting called up by the St. Louis Cardinals. He is an outfielder, and the reason he's being called up is because Dylan Carlson was placed on the IL with a left thumb sprain, and Burleson was having a great minor league season. 331 batting average, 20 home runs, a 904 OPS. He's 23 years old, a second-round pick back in 2020. He's even more widely available. He's 9% rostered. If you've listened to our FBT and 5 podcast over the weekend, uh, then you've probably heard this name already because, Scott, I know you've been writing about him for a while. But what do you think about Alec Burleson uh, and where are you looking at him, if anywhere? It's funny because he was in my five on the verge in, in my prospects report, which is like the five prospects that most need to be stashed in redraft leagues. He was in there for like months. And then I took him out for the most recent one Monday saying, if they haven't called him up by now, it's, it, you know, they're probably not going to do it. And and sure enough, this happens. Mm. Um, Take that, wasn't, Scott. Wasn't counting on the Dylan Carlson news, but still. Uh, look, he's not the caliber of prospect Josh Young is, but to maintain a batting average near 330 basically all year at AAA and uh, was it with improved power from past years. Like he's he's a guy who really knows how to hit, and that's the thing we care about most in fantasy. How much is he going to play is my main question because yeah. Lars Newbar has obviously made himself an integral part of the lineup. Albert Pujols has, has earned more playing time recently. Uh, they are playing Corey Dickerson a lot right now. He's uh, Last I looked, he'd been kind of hot. Yeah. So I don't know how motivated they'll be to sit him. Brendan Donovan has been playing a lot too, and, and he's heated up after after disappearing there in the middle of the season. So I, I don't know. I, I don't see full-time bats in the cards for Burleson. Mm-hmm. 
I think in five outfielder leagues, it's not a bad idea to take a take a chance on him. But I'm I my expectations for him are lower than for somebody like Josh Young. So you brought up Lars Newbar, Scott, and I'm not ready to jump ship yet, but <laughs> as soon as we, you know, every podcast, we're just hyping him up, he has come yeah. to a screeching halt. So his last five games, he is 0 for 17. That is Lars Newbar. But, you know, it's baseball. There's peaks and valleys. I get it. And, you know, he was really hot before that. So now he's cooling off a little bit. But I just thought it was interesting, yeah. right? Like we keep talking him up and there you go. Boom. 0 for 17 is last five games. But obviously still hold on to uh, Lars Newbar if you can. Scott, would you rather add Alec Burleson or Michael Tolia of the Colorado Rockies, who hit another home run here on Wednesday? He went two for four. It was his second homer. He added four RBI, two runs scored. And in his small sample so far, he's striking out quite a bit, 29%, but he's putting the ball in the air. He's hitting it hard, and he's only 13% rostered. What do you think about Tolia versus Burleson? In theory, I like Burleson more. I like Burleson more as a dynasty asset, but we're not talking in those terms. We're just talking about how much he can help right now. Mm-hmm. I trust Tolia to play more. He's been playing. I, I don't think he's missed a game since being called up. He's picked up outfield eligibility in the process. And uh, obviously he has course field, which will help mask some of his deficiencies. The problem. So, so totally is the answer. Yeah. For next week, he only he has five games and they're all on the road. So it's it's a pretty ugly schedule for Michael Tolia yeah. next week. Um, let's see what, what Burleson has. He's got seven home games, but again, how much is he going to play? So yeah, I mean, if he ends up playing a lot the rest of this week, then yeah, that obviously changes things. But my expectation right now is that it'll be pretty sporadic how much he plays. Looking at the Rocky schedule in general. So following the five road games next week, he has seven home games the following week. And those are the last home games of the year. So yeah. so September the week of September 19th through 25th. Not a bad time to play Michael Tolia. Pick him up and stash him for next week. That's that's basically it. A much well, two l- weeks from now. Yeah, two weeks from now. A much lower level prospect, Scott, a pitcher for the Twins. Apparently, their 10th ranked prospect in the organization, according to MLB Pipeline. Louis Varland made his debut. I don't know if he's going to stick around. He was the 29th man for the doubleheader, but he he looked pretty good. And his numbers in the minors are, are, are also pretty good. So this season, 306 ERA, 126 whip. 146 strikeouts, over 126 and a third innings pitched. And at the Yankees in his debut, five and a third, two runs allowed, seven strikeouts. He had 11 swinging strikes, averaged 94-ish miles per hour on his fastball, threw four different pitches over 13% of the time. What do you think, Scott? Anything here for Louis Varland, or you think he's getting sent back down after this one? I don't think he's getting sent back down because remember they just had to put Tyler Malley back on the IL. So I think there's room for Louis Varlin to stick around. And this was an impressive debut and and those minor league numbers are pretty pretty decent. Uh, But in addition to the 306 ERA, as you pointed out, there's a 1-2-6 whip in the minors. It's given up a lot of hits. And maybe the defense behind him had something to do with that. But I look at the arsenal for Louis Farland, and that's with a V. I made it sound like an F. Louis Varland. I look at the arsenal for him, and there's not really a standout pitch. Uh, He also has a really high fly ball rate. So I don't know that he profiles as more than like a back-end rotation type, despite the line here at the Yankees. I'm not especially eager to pick him up. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we return, we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The news and notes. Justin Verlander threw off the slope of a mound on Wednesday. He does not yet have a timeline to return from his right calf injury. Good news for Hunter Brown, I suppose. Juan Soto left Wednesday's game after getting hit by a pitch in the middle of his back. And I saw something after this game. He said he's okay. He should be good to go. But Scott, the masses are angry. They're very angry with Juan Soto. They want us to talk about him, talk about how bad he's been this season, how <laughs> terrible he's been since joining the San Diego Padres, which mm. I can't deny. All of that is true. He's played 28 games. Well, now 29, but entering Wednesday, 28 games with the Padres. He's hitting 235, three homers, 21, 20 runs scored. That's good. Six RBI. That's not so good. He's walking a ton. OPS is 773. Yeah, he's he's been a letdown. There, there's no doubt about it. He's got 24 home runs on the season, six steals. He's hitting 243. He's been a bust. Like, I don't know if that's what people want us to want to hear at well, this point, Scott, but he has been disappointing. There's no doubt about it. He's been the third best outfielder in points leagues this year. I think that comes with the caveat that outfield has just been really terrible. Okay. And, and I, I suspect he ranks much lower than that in categories leagues. Obviously, he has he's 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 always going to fare better in points leagues because his plate discipline is so good. But just to put things in perspective, he has been the third best outfielder in points leagues this year, behind only Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts. So every outfielder drafted ahead of Juan Soto this year, in that format at least, has been worse than Juan Soto. So I don't know why we're picking on him specifically, but <laughs> I want to bench him. Would you? No. I mean, unless you play in a 10-team, three-outfielder categories league and your outfield is absolutely stacked. I just I right. can't imagine that being possible based on how bad the position is. So, Yeah, I mean, my only advice really is to start him and hope he performs better because that's... I only have him in one league, but that's what I'm doing with him in that league. Mm-hmm. He is the 17th-ranked outfielder in Roto this season, the 72nd overall player in 5x5 five five leagues, so... You know, based on being a first-round pick, he's been very yeah. disappointing in that format. Yeah. Points leagues, I, I, a lot better. A lot better in points leagues. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you have a bat 243 batting average and not many stolen bases, yeah. No, that makes sense. Big let's, disparity between the two formats. Let's move on to Teoscar Hernandez, who was placed on the paternity list. And as a result, Gabriel Moreno was recalled by the Blue Jays. His last 13 games at AAA, he was hitting 370 with one homer, five doubles, and he is just 26% rostered. I don't know how long he's going to stick around, Scott. Maybe he's just here for the rest of the season. I don't know. But Gabriel Moreno, are you looking to add him in, let's say, two catcher leagues? In a two catcher league, yeah. I would add him there. I don't think there's a ton of room for him to play. Alejandro Kirk certainly has carved out a spot in the lineup, mostly as the DH. Uh, but they're going to want to give him starts a catcher occasionally, and I don't think they're just going to bench any Jansen. So, yeah, I, I don't know that. Uh, I don't. I'm not looking for a big splash from Gabriel Gabriel Moreno to close out the year. Gabriel Moreno, can you play the outfield? No, I don't think so. 
Stalling Marte missed both games of the doubleheader on Wednesday, and it turns out that he's dealing with a partial non-displaced fracture of his right middle finger. He was hit by a pitch on his hand on Tuesday. So that's the official diagnosis. The Mets are listing him as day-to-day, and they don't believe that a trip to the IL will be necessary for Starling Marte. John Carlos Stanton also missed both games of his doubleheader with a foot injury. That one looks a little more scary. I, I think he'll land on the IL, but that's just me speculating. Brandon Lau was reinstated from the IL. The Dal Brujan was sent down as a result. As expected, Luis Robert was out on Wednesday after getting hit by a pitch on his hand on Tuesday. Eric Lauer was removed from his start due to left elbow tightness and will miss at least one start in the Brewers rotation. Sonny Gray will start on Thursday against the Yankees. He left his most recent start with hamstring tightness. Jeffrey Springs was pulled after just three innings pitched against the Red Sox. He was at 39 pitches. I didn't see anything about an injury, Scott. I searched on Twitter. I couldn't find any quotes. Uh, I, I think this is probably the Rays just managing Jeffrey Springs' innings and his workload. Yeah, oh, well, Yanni Chirinos came back from the IL, and and so yeah. they used him to piggyback with uh, with um, Jeffrey Springs. Chirinos was one of their, a, a regular part of their rotation before missing all of 2021, most of this year, first with Tommy John surgery and then a fracture in his elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh and he's, you know, he's kind of interesting. He, he, he was successful with the Rays before, even though he didn't get a lot of strikeouts. So in 2020, he had a 385 ERA, 105 WHIP, 7.7 K per nine, and you know, came back three shutout innings with four strikeouts. The velocity looked good. The pitch selection very similar to that 2020 season. Might just pick up where he left off. But if they're if they're splitting a rotation spot, Springs and Chirinos, neither is going to be of much use. Obviously, I'm not I'm not ready to dump Springs based on this, but it's not a good sign. Yeah, that was my next question. Springs is still 83 percent rostered, but you're still holding on. Yeah, I mean that the Rays make it so difficult to play fantasy, <laughs> you know, in, in every sure aspect of the game. Yeah, like they're. They're not going to let us know when Springs is making his next start until, you know, probably the day of. <laughs> and then not going to let us know if it's going to be a true start or not. I think I would drop him for Lodolo, Sandoval, and Trevor Rogers. Look for Lodolo, yes. I'm not sure about the other two. Okay. Josh Donaldson was placed on the paternity list. Isaiah Kiner Falefa started both games at third base. Reed Detmers will have his start pushed back from this weekend to Monday, which means he'll face the Guardians instead of the Astros. If you started him in a weekly lineup league, I'm sorry. Anthony Rendon has been participating in defensive drills and hitting in the batting cage, opening the door to a possible return by the end of the season. All right. Well, we haven't heard this name in a while. Anthony Rendon, 24% rostered. Scott, do you think there's a real chance he makes it back? I mean, they're saying there is. They they had ruled him out for the season back when he had the surgery in June. Yeah. I'm not counting on it, but it's if you have a free IL spot, it's somebody else you can potentially stash there. Sure. Tyler Wells was reinstated from the IL on Wednesday, which normally wouldn't matter, but the counter move was that Spencer Watkins was optioned back to AAA as a result. Let's jump into some waiver wire hitters, Scott. Do any of these actually matter we'll start off with two corner infielders let's say even though seth brown has outfield eligibility too luke voigt went three for four with his 19th home run he is 46 percent rostered only has five home games next week seth brown as we mentioned earlier now has four homers over his last three games and he's 31 percent rostered six road games next week so i never thought we would want hitters to be playing in oakland but unfortunately seth brown will not be in oakland next week do these matter scott Luke, Luke Voigt, Seth Brown. In, in deeper rotisserie leagues, if you're chasing home runs, they matter. There, If you're looking at corner infielder specifically, I would prioritize Josh Young, Joey Manessis, Tristan Casas. I would prioritize them over Voigt and Brown because all Voigt and Brown are going to give you is power if they give you anything at all. Mm-hmm. But... They might give you pretty good power. Yeah. If you had to choose one, who are you taking? Between those two? Yeah. 
Voight. Yeah. I think Seth Brown's been a little bit hotter recently, so I guess I would go with him, but not overly You can play him in the outfield, too, where you yeah. probably need him more, frankly. Yeah, that's true. Do either of these Yankee middle infielders matter? It was a huge day for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa across the doubleheader. He went three for nine with a grand slam and two steals. Could be motivated with Oswald Peraza getting called up. <laughs> or maybe not. He's 31% rostered IKF. He's got five road games next week. And then Oswald Peraza, the name I just mentioned, across the doubleheader. He actually started both games. Wow. Good for you, Yankees. He went four for eight. Four for eight with two doubles, a walk, two runs scored. Pretty impressive stuff based on what I was watching. Uh, he's 23% rostered. Does either one matter, Scott? IKF, Oswald Peraza. Oswald Peraza has good upside if he can continue to get playing time. So, yeah, he matters. He matters more than even the previous group, Luke Voigt and Seth Brown do. But... That's only if he can carve out a regular role. And obviously Josh Donaldson's only going to be on the paternity list so long. If Isaiah Kiner-Falefa's heating up too, that doesn't help Peraza's case. So that's a tricky one. But I I do like the skill set. Yeah, I'm not so confident in the playing time either. So I'm a little torn on this one. I picked up Peraza in a few real deep leagues this weekend. 15-team... Uh, Roto leagues yeah. with a middle. I make sure to get him in so. my fifteen team Roto leagues. Yeah, so you know but, if you play in a league that deep, it's it's worth taking a shot. And but it's more just like putting him on my bench until right he can find regular playing time. The not the last name yet, but a catcher, Eric Haas, went five for five with his tenth home run here on Wednesday, and has been starting pretty consistently for the Tigers. I get it; the Tigers are are pretty bad, but um, yeah, well, he's know, catcher eligible. He's a catcher, and he plays and so. Hit a lot of home runs last year, and you know the overall stat line doesn't look great this year for Eric Koss. But had this five for five performance, and since since the end of May, he's hitting two eighty one with eight home runs in about two hundred at bats. Mm. It's pretty good for a second catcher. Would you take Eric Koss or Gabriel Moreno if you need a second catcher? I think Haas, because he's going to play more. Yeah, I think so too. Lastly, Scott, do either of these double dongs matter? David VR went two for three with double dong, two homers. He has started five straight for the Giants. And then Aristides Aquino, the Punisher. He went three for four with a double dong as well. He added three RBI. Looks like he's sitting every third or fourth game. Uh, Over his last 15 games, he's hitting 250, three homers, 13 RBI. What once was Aristides Aquino? Do either of these names matter, Scott? Deeper leagues? I don't think Aquino does. VR maybe. I mean, as you pointed out, he started five straight, which is rare for a Giants player. And two hits and three straight with three home runs during that time. Yeah. And and this is after a triple A in 84 games, roughly half a major league season's worth of games. David VR hit 275 with 27 home runs and a 1022 OPS. It's PCL and all. And it's not like he's some highly rated prospect, but that kind of production is hard to ignore if if he starts to do similar things in the majors. A third base eligible player. Uh kind of interesting, David VR. All right, let's move over to some pitching. The New York Aces showed out here on Wednesday. Jacob DeGrom makes it five straight quality starts. He was at the Pirates where he went seven shutout innings with eight strikeouts in that one. He had 16 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. Actually changed up the pitch mix a little bit. He's normally just fastball slider. Frankly, he doesn't need anything else, but he did mix in his changeup and curveball a little bit more and... Obviously, Jacob DeGrom was really good once again. His ERA is now down to 1.66. He has 63 strikeouts to four walks, over (laughs) 43 and a third innings pitched. Just bananas. The same thing we say every time he starts. And then Garrett Cole posted a season-high 14 strikeouts up against the Twins. He went six and two-thirds. He allowed one run. Those 14 Ks, as I mentioned, 23 swinging strikes on 118 pitches, 11 on the fastball, nine on the slider. He drops his ERA to 3.20, and he leads all of baseball with 218 strikeouts. So 
I know I'm hard on Garrett Cole. It's because I'm just like a jaded Yankee fan. So don't listen to me when I talk about him. But for what it's worth, I mean, 218 strikeouts, that is just a massive total, Scott. So he's been good. I mean, there's been a little uh-huh. bit more, you know, ups and downs this year, but he's been still really, really, really good. I have a new, I updated my rest of season rankings today. I have a new number one pitcher Same. in Roto Leagues. Oh. It's Jacob DeGrom. Ooh, okay. So I finally moved Sandy Alcantara up to SP1. And I have He's my number one in points leagues. Yeah, but points Jacob DeGrom leagues. is in Roto Leagues. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with it. <laughs> he's the best pitcher when he pitches, right? I, I'm just kind of... I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm sticking to my guns. What I said earlier <laughs> on, where I'm just not going to move him up because he can get hurt at any point, which I still believe is true. But sure, I, yeah, every, I have no problem. Can I mean, yeah. when you're when you're talking about five starts left in the season, though, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's worth worrying about at this point. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know what's fun, Scott? And I say fun. Trying to rank Shane McClanahan, Scherzer, Verlander, and Zach Wheeler while they're hurt. It's, you know, yeah, I have yeah. no idea where to put these guys. So I, I just, I, I just left them all in the top 12 and hopefully they're back soon. I, I don't know. That's at, at some point when you're talking rest of season rankings, I'm just going to have to stop spending so much time on it because it's like, <laughs> yeah, I made, I made this point last week. The, the less rest of season you get, the more radically you can adjust the rankings. If you're if you're treating it literally, rest of season rankings. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Anyway, but hey, um, that's why you listen to the podcast, right? Because <laughs> we uh, we break down these these nuances and these rankings and all these kind of things. Other pitching standouts from Tuesday: Chris Bassett posted his second double digit strikeout start of the season. He was at the Pirates as well. Seven innings, one run, ten strikeouts in that one. Spencer Strider. Got off to a rough start. I was like, what's going on? Strider in Oakland, this should be a great start. But he did settle down, and he was very good. Six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts in that one. Clayton Kershaw recorded his first quality start since July 15th. He was up against the Giants. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts for him. Alec Manoa matched a season high with eight innings pitched at the Orioles. He allowed just one run, striking out five. And the last name here, Jordan Montgomery, was great once again. Turns in another quality start, six and two thirds, one run allowed, six strikeouts up against the Nationals, and now seven starts with the Cardinals, a 1.46 ERA for Jordan Montgomery. Anything, Scott, that you'd like to add on him, Manoa, Kershaw, Strider, and Bassett? Montgomery has been great with the Cardinals, but the swinging strike rate hasn't been nearly as impressive as it was with the Yankees. He's changed his pitch mix, as we pointed out before, more four seamers. It's hard to complain. I mean, he's for the season. He his ERA is barely over three now, so he looks like uh, like a better asset than he was with the Yankees. I just wonder about the the lack of whiffs there because that was the most impressive thing about him before before the the baseline or the um, forward facing numbers, I guess, became so good. Uh, and Chris Bassett, I wanted to mention this for him since I bothered to look it up. Past 14 starts, Chris Bassett has a 2.32 ERA. It's been good. He's been really good. And I was going to say that look, basically what he's done is what I was expecting Sean Mania to do this year, just be rock solid. And uh, obviously that has not come true. But Chris Bassett, yeah, he's been ad, as advertised, in fact, even better than the past couple of seasons with the New York Mets. Some hitting standouts. Aaron Judge hit his 55th home run in game one of the doubleheader. I have no idea why teams are still pitching to Aaron Judge, but I'm all for it. Keep doing it, please, because he's, he's the only Yankee that can hit right now. Dansby Swanson went two for five with his 18th home run. He also has 17 steals on the season. Vaughn Grissom stays hot, went two for three with his fifth homer. He is batting 347 with a 956 OPS. He has been amazing. Mike Trout went two for four with his 32nd homer. He has homered in four straight games. Max Muncie went three for five with his 19th homer. He's got three homers over his last two games. Justin Turner, I did not realize this, Scott. Over his last 49 games, he has quietly been very, very good. So he went two for four with his 11th home run. 
during that stretch, he's hitting 371 over a 49 game stretch. Seven homers, 28 runs scored, 39 RBI, 90 mile per hour average exit velocity, putting the ball in the air. This is basically the Justin Turner we try to draft every year, where he's hitting for batting average, solid power, good counting stats. He's been that player basically over the last 50 games. Yeah, if he keeps it up, the Dodgers are going to end up exercising his option for next year. I want to see it. I want Miguel Vargas in my life. We all do. We all do. Um, but either way, I mean, Justin Turner's probably going to wind up playing somewhere if you know he's playing at this high of a level. Eloy yeah. Jimenez went three for four with his 10th home run. He added three RBI. He's now batting 305 overall with an 854 OPS. Paul Goldschmidt went one for three with his 35th homer. And Corbin Carroll is on the board. He went two for four with a double and his first career home run. He actually attempted a steal as well, but he got caught stealing, so that would have been fun. Nice little sock mm-hmm. and a shoe for Corbin Carroll. An impressive homer, too. You know, a little bit opposite field. It was mostly straightaway center, but, you know, just a little bit oppo. And against you, Darvish, fastball up in the zone. It's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. Darvish gave up three home runs in that game. Including two to Dalton Varsho. Oh, who we are about to talk about right now, Scott. I like doing this segment. I don't know why, but I'm going to have you grade the season for two hitters. Dalton Varsho went two for four with that double dong. He is now batting. uh, We'll pull up the batting average, but he has 23 home runs total. And I will admit completely that I was totally wrong about Dalton Varsho this year. I, I just was not convinced that he was actually a good hitter and he has proved me wrong. Batting average, not great. 243, but he's got those 23 homers. The counting stats are great for catcher-eligible player. 66 runs, 64 RBI. He's also got eight steals. Six caught stealing. You don't love that. But how would you grade the season, Scott? Dalton Varsho. This is a tricky one. I was much higher on Varsho than you were. It may have been the single player we were furthest apart on. He hasn't totally lived up to my expectations. I thought he'd be more of a base stealer. I thought he'd be of help in batting average. And yet he's been a must-start catcher-eligible player. He's played a ton, which was part of what I was hoping for. The most interesting part of this is that 23 home runs he's up to now with this two-homer game. That's the most of any catcher-eligible player. He's led the position in home runs, which I, which is not something I was expecting for him. So, all in all, I mean, just relative to where he was drafted, I don't think you could go any lower than B. You could maybe even give him an A. I'm going to give him a B, though, factoring in my own expectations for him coming into the year. I was going to say B+. Plus. Maybe that's because I don't have Dalton Varsho anywhere, so I, I haven't really felt his production, but he's still the third best catcher in Roto Leagues this season behind yep. JT Real Muto and Will Smith, I believe. Yes, and the 86th overall player, so eh, that's probably around where he was being drafted, so uh, I don't know. It was a little later than that. A little bit later. Okay, yeah. fair enough. It's been a good season, regardless, for Dalton Varsho. It has also been a very good season, for A. Eugenio Suarez, who had a double dong here. He's now up to 27 homers. Batting average, not great, 233. But it has been a big bounce-back campaign, Scott. And I don't think it's one that we expected, especially from the move from Cincinnati to Seattle. That's a huge negative park shift. But mm-hmm. alas, you know, this is the best he's looked in years since 2019. He's not that good, obviously, but, you know, he's bounced back. Yeah, he has, to a degree. I mean, considering he had hit 199 the previous two seasons, combined number, combined batting average, 199. So hitting hitting over 230, I mean, it's a big increase from that. His strikeout rate has actually gotten worse this year, too, which is interesting. I mean, I kind of I kind of just want to give him a B, too. Like, yes, our expectations weren't very high, and he's exceeded those. We've seen him be even better in the past, though. Yeah. So, A feels like too high. I agree. No, I think B is a good grade. Okay. Maybe B. He'll, he'll, he'll be. He'll be. He'll be the B plus. Yeah, we'll go B plus on A. Eugenio Suarez. His ADP coming into the season was two hundred nine point six, and uh, I would imagine he is ranked much higher than that. 
And I can let you know right now, he is the 94th ranked player in Roto Leagues this season. So a top 100 player, I guess. I'm guessing, because it sounds like everybody is really high in Roto, except for Juan Soto, I guess. (laughs) Basically. And I think think a lot of it is just staying... It's like it's players who've stayed healthy all season are going to be helped by that because their run and RBI production is higher than players who haven't. So if it was like a per game, like I tend to think of players more in terms of how 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 good are they? You know, if you're setting your lineup today, how much do you want them in your lineup? And that that would be better reflected, I think, if if there was a per game measure versus a year-to-date measure of production. Mm -hmm. The counting stats are massive, Scott. You're right. Like, if you stay healthy and hit 27 home runs in a solid lineup like the Mariners, you know, the counting stats are just going to be there. So that has been a huge factor for Eugenio Suarez. The call to the bullpen will start with the White Sox. Liam Hendricks struck out the side for his 31st save. For Tampa Bay, they had a one-run lead. Jason Adam pitched in the eighth inning facing the top of the Red Sox lineup. And then Pete Fairbanks came in in the ninth, and he picked up his sixth save. That is now two straight saves for... Four of six. For Pete Fairbanks. The numbers are ridiculous. Like His 1.45 ERA, 28 strikeouts to just two walks, over 18 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's Basically as good as Jason Adam. Yeah, he's 35% rostered, Scott. Would you rather take a shot on Pete Fairbanks or Jose Leclerc if you need saves? I probably Fairbanks just because of what he's doing, what he's going to contribute in the other categories more than my faith in him having more saves than, than Leclerc the rest of the way. It's not like Leclerc is rock solid in the closer role though. We just know, we just know the Rays are going to keep mixing it up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I got so excited about Jason Adam a couple weeks ago (laughs) and then, (laughs) and then that's about the time Fairbanks entered the fold. For the Phillies, Connor Brogdon allowed a run in the ninth inning, but picked up his second save. Both David Robertson and Brad Hand pitched yesterday, so well, on Tuesday. So I assume that they were unavailable. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano struck out two for his 31st save. For the Nationals, an epic implosion by Kyle Finnegan, who entered the game with a four-run lead, proceeded to give up five runs on four hits and two walks, and he took his third loss of the season. For the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A, I think we could just give him a pass. He's been so awesome all year long. He comes in in a one-run game. He gave up two runs on three walks and one hit. His third blown save, his fourth loss. But I think even after this one, he has a 1.39 ERA on the season. So he's been amazing. And then for the Padres, Nick Martinez pitched in the eighth inning with a two-run lead. He faced the top of the D-backs lineup. And then who got the ninth? Who was it? Josh Hader, once again, he pitched a clean ninth inning, did not strike anybody out, but picked up his 31st save. Do you think we're getting closer, Scott, to Josh Hader taking over once again? He's gotten each of the team's last two saves. Last three appearances have all come in the ninth to finish a game. Yeah. So I think so. I think Nick Martinez's stay in the role may be a short one because... Padres seem to be turning to Hader again. All right. To stream or not to stream, we will start with Thursday, which is Barron. Adrian Sampson versus the Reds. Jacob Junis at the Brewers. And James Caprillion. That is no longer happening. He's pitching Friday. So, all right. I'm just going to skip Thursday. <laughs> Friday, we've got Drew Smiley going up against the Giants. We've got Rowanzi Contreras up against the Cardinals. Brian Bayo at the Orioles. Austin Voth versus the Red Sox, Nick Lodolo at the Brewers, and Herman Marquez versus the Diamondbacks. However, that game is in Coors Field. Mm. So it is. So it is. Not loving any of these. If, if you're forcing me to pick one, oh, well, Nick Lodolo against the Brewers is the obvious one. I do, I do like that one. The Brewers are bad yeah. against lefties. Did you mention him? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that, that one's good. If you're forcing me to pick one more, and I don't feel great about this, but it would probably be Austin Voth against the Red Sox with that game being in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Bayo. He's pitched pretty well recently at the Orioles, not entirely worried about it. Yeah, 
I just think he could implode with a bunch of walks, even in a favorable pitching environment like that. There was one other name that emerged on Thursday, Scott. J.P. Sears up against the White Sox. What do you think about him? On Thursday? I mean, that's the best option for Thursday. Yeah. Best streaming option, but... It's it's probably a low risk move. It's just also a low reward move and maybe not worth forfeiting a roster spot. And that game is in Oakland, the launching pad. So I don't know if you want to do it. And plus the left, uh, the White Sox are really good against left-handed pitching. Mm. We are really? gonna... mm. that's surprising. Yeah, they are not good against righties, but against left-handed pitching, they have the fifth best weighted on base average in all of baseball. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.